Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to Ruben Uncut. Today, you know, man, I just get, I just get, there's a lot going on in the world right now. It's crazy as shit, you know? It's, it's deeply concerning and problematic all the time. I think the two major things currently facing the world and more specifically America right now, of course, is that once again, the, uh, the government has decided to play chicken with the debt ceiling, which is insane, by the way. And it's also something that the Republicans only do when they have an opportunity to blame any cuts or failures on the Democrats. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that's how the debt ceiling works? They raised it three times for Trump. They, they basically fought Obama to a shutdown last time. The last one of the last times they had to raise the debt ceiling that I remember. Now that Joe Biden is president, once again we are in this position again, where the debt ceiling is just you know okay to hold hostage. Never mind the fact that America defaulting on its debt would be catastrophic for a number of reasons. First of all, it means that literally uh, hundreds of thousands of Americans would not get paid for doing their jobs. And parts of our infrastructure would start to fall apart. It would also cause us to have serious debt problems with the rest of the world and drop the value of the dollar internationally. Now, to be fair, a lot of people make a big deal out of how much money we owe to foreign countries, and that is concerning. However, it's worth noting that the majority of people the government owns money are Americans. Yep, that's right. The majority of people the government owns money to are Americans who have invested in America. With, you know, like stuff like war bonds, which is where a lot of American debt goes. And so that's the world we live in right now. That's the chaos. And it's insane. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. They raised the Republicans raised the debt ceiling for other Republicans. Almost no questions. They don't because Republicans don't care. The, the fiscal conservatism is dead. Everything in government now is a power play. And it's 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 insanity. Like, I don't. The thing is, I don't agree with fiscal responsible policies. Uh, that sounds bad. I, I don't have a problem with the concept of fiscal responsibility. But a lot of the policies that conservatives push, I just don't agree with or think work. Trickle-down economics, as we might remember, was created as a joke and is not a real solution to anything. Literally, satire that became life. Absolutely insane. All right, lost my train of thought. But then you know, that happens when you don't have a script. The point is the debt ceiling is bad. It's insane. Uh, what was I? I was going to say something. It's driving me crazy. Right. But people won't get paid. Debts won't get paid. It'll lower the value of America's dollar internationally, which means that we could lose economic dominance in the world. And that's already a thing that's at risk, you know, with, with the emerging capitalist society of China. So... We don't want this. This would be bad. And the fact that Republicans are willing to even threaten it makes them terrorists, not literal terrorists. I mean, it is kind of a hostage situation and a problem. I mean, I understand. All right, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't have a problem. I don't agree with a lot of fiscally conservative policies. Like, I don't think they'll work. Like, 
most data indicates that stuff like austerity measures, which a lot of people in this capitalist society heavily like to push on to government. The reality of austerity measures, though, is that austerity measures, the data indicates austerity measures only work for countries that currently have a very strong economy. And it, it seems like we always recommend we always recommend austerity measures to countries uh, who are at times of not having strong economic situations. If you ever notice that, it's insane. It doesn't work. That's not how it functions. You need to have a strong, austerity doesn't make a strong economy. A strong economy makes austerity work. It's not, it, it doesn't go the other way. There's, because it, that, that will just create power vacuums and losses of quality of life, which is going to cause consumers not to purchase, which, by the way, our, so our society's economy is driven by the consumer. So, so, so people who are buying, regardless of where they get their money, are contributing to our society. Weird how capitalism works, but no one wants to talk about it. How money is essentially the only moral good in a capitalist society, and it doesn't really matter how you get it because capitalism is just about the idea that you have money to progress in society because money equals your merit to society. Anything beyond that is just extra fluffiness, and we know this because we live in a society that constantly talks to us about a merit-based system, but every time you go and look into it, the merit is not based off of skill or ability. It's based off of how much money a person has or started with. The fact of the matter that we don't understand, like, look at student loan. Look at, look, look at student debt, okay? Look at student debt. You, you understand the problem with student debt? Oh, yeah, these kids took out loans they couldn't afford. Well, let me, let me throw this at you. Okay, so here's the thing. Rich people don't need student loans. People who have the money to pay for their schools to begin with don't need student loans. If your mommy or daddy are millionaires, they can even pay you to get into schools that you're not good enough at school to be in. And we've, I mean, that's illegal and we caught people and people got caught doing it, but that just tells us more that it's a thing that happens. The problem with student loans, is student loan debt system is essentially kneecapping the poor. It's essentially putting knowledge and information and opportunities behind a paywall that not everyone can afford to pay. And that's the serious problem with our education is that we talk about education. Like we talk about education as this thing that can help people get ahead in life. And it's, and it's true. It's technically true. Education does equal making more money. The higher the level of education you have, the more likely you are to succeed inside the capitalist system. But also education also helps make us more well-rounded, more informed people who have bigger, broader understandings of the world, something that people who live in the same town their entire lives uh, can't have. And since travel is not something everyone is capable of doing, this type of education is important. But travel itself is also only one other layer of extra experience and understanding to have a whole it's impossible to have a whole picture of the world but things like travel and education help with this
Also, I just want to say I have nothing against trade schools. Trade schools are perfectly honorable. People need to do those jobs. And if people think that they could be good at doing those jobs, then that's a great thing to do. That being said, make sure the trade school you're going to is reputable because trade schools can also be ripoffs that steal your money. And some of them lack accreditation. And yes, accreditation is semi-important. Why is accreditation semi-important? Well, let me put it this way. I have a black belt. And I got and I got that from studying karate for 12 years. And I feel like I went to a pretty good dojo where we have pretty good standards and no one was ripping me off however um anyone can open a karate school even people who are lying about knowing karate i didn't have that situation because my sensei actually knew the master of our style in okinawa so i at least had some concept of that and we were all part of the official uh iwka or ishinru world karate association which is the karate equivalent of a certification however in the united states there is nothing to prevent you right now from opening your own dojo and charging people to come work out there while you teach them martial arts now you'd have to be a pretty good salesman to fake it all but this is but there is literally no legal regulations in place to stop you from doing this so yes, accreditation is kind of important. It's like saying that you weren't, it's, it makes it clear that you received the education and training that you needed to have to be good and or safe at your job. Remember that trade job, jobs you go to trade school for tend to have uh, high risks, such as things like being electrocuted, causing fires, crushing, uh, being injured by machinery. These things are inherent to trade school so you know you want to go to a school that's accredited and is giving you proper education that people will acknowledge you don't want to find out because you misoperated a machine and it chewed through your fingers that you went to a bullshit trade school so make sure you're going somewhere reputable side note i'm pretty sure trade schools also offer student loans so that's messed up Although I think trade schools in general all cost less to go to. Ultimately, uh, student loans are a goddamn poverty trap um, in many ways. To be fair, they're not the worst of the poverty traps in our society. Our society is littered with poverty traps, such as rent-to-own uh, stores, you know, places that own, places that rent you furniture. However, here's the thing about every rent-to-own place like an Aaron's or a Renaissance. Yeah, I'll call them out by name because they're some of the most disgusting companies that have ever existed. What they do is essentially taking, taking advantage of the fact that poor people live in a society that is consumer-driven and makes them hunger for these same necessities as the people around them that can afford those things. So they will say, hey, we can help you get your house furnished. Come, buy a couch, buy a TV, get yourself a Nintendo Wii. By the way, after you've completed all your payments on that Nintendo Wii, which was $150, which at the time would have been $150 gaming, $150 gaming system, uh, you will have essentially spent $1,000 buying a Nintendo Wii. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. This is an actual example I got, I got from going into a, uh, an, a, a Rent-A-Center and reading the small goddamn print. Oh, also in knowing the original the original market value of what a Wii was selling for at the time. Other poverty traps include payday loans. Where, where until regulars recently stepped in, to, they to cap the 
interest on these payday loans at a ridiculous 23% in my state, which by the way, is still outrageously high. Uh, but people used to be able to charge up to like $300 interest, which is insane. By the way, student loans, which I was transitioning back to here for a second, student loans accrue um, interest daily, um, which is not the same as how credit cards and other types of loans work. This this way, that when you sit down in a room with a person who's offering you a student loan, they can say stuff like, oh, it's only 2%, it's only 2.4% APR. Yeah, but you have to understand that 2.4% APR is happening every single day, and most months have 30 days. So, you know, not only that, but every day, it means that it is slowly building off of slight 2.4% more from the previous day. Are you starting to see where I'm going with this mathematically? Because I'm not good enough at math to do it for you. The point is, is that like, even if I were to take the base calculation of, oh, two times 30, that's 60%. I might not be doing the math right here, because like I said, I'm not good at math. But do you understand the problem of where I'm going with this? That's insane. That means that your payments are practically meaningless. And people are going to start to default on them, which is going to cause economic ripples. So think about that next time you don't want to bail out student loan debt. You're not, you're not just talking. It's not like this is happening to one individual person. It's happening across the country to thousands of people. It's going to dramatically damage the economy if people start defaulting on student loans. Do you understand? Do you understand? That's bad for America. Remember what happened when the housing market did that? Yeah. You know, it's funny is this isn't even what I set up this recording to talk about. I'm just getting all, just getting all, all over the place. Uh, so yeah, the world's on fire. And right now, I just want to take this opportunity to remind you that there is still a war going on in Russia. I mean, sorry, Ukraine perpetrated by Russia in an imperialist action. And I hear a lot of people saying that, oh, we shouldn't be helping Ukraine, which is insane. Allow me to elaborate. People are all like, oh, no, it'll, it'll push us closer to nuclear war. Yeah, that, that's what Putin wants you to think. Putin has been threatening to nuke places. Do you understand what happens if people just roll over anytime a dictator says, I'm going to nuke places? Do you understand the incredibly terrible precedent that that sets for society? That opens everyone up to being imperiously conquered by whoever is the craziest person with nukes. Oh, you don't want my country? Fine, I'll just nuke your, your country off the planet. Hold on, we take it back. Please, take our country. See, there's a, there's a, there was a paradox to, to pacifism. And I, I'll tell you, though, largely I'm a pacifistic person. But there was a paradox to pacifism, which is that in a world where everyone but one person is... Is, is a pacifist, the one person who is not a pacifist will be king. If you were a country that put out pacifism and you supported it with all your ideals and beliefs and all the world joined you, but there was one country who was like, nah, fuck that, man. I hate pacifism. And they had just immediately started invading countries. Would you stick to your pacifism ideals? and allow them to conquer you, thereby ensuring that pacifism as an idea and philosophy will be eradicated from the planet? You see, the problem is the pacifism only stops the aggressor. 
a country, it, a country has to believe in pacifism for pacifism to matter. The invasion will only end with the invaders decide that the invasion is over. And whether that's because they've decided they won or because the people they're conquering have failed to stop them or has made them stop. I'm sorry, I went the wrong way with that. <clears throat> has made them stop. The fact of the matter is, is that in this situation, Russia is the imperialist force. And everyone seems to be getting, oh, America, the imperialists, oh, that means we are automatically wrong. Okay, America's got a long history of imperialism. That's 100% true. But you, have to, you can't just weigh these things as Russia bad, America bad, or Russia good, America good. It doesn't work like that. You have to measure them by the actual actions, the ethics that are being employed by the people. It's not a matter of who you are. It's about how you do it. And right now, Putin is the one committing an imperialist action. In this scenario, in this scenario, just so you are aware, Ukraine is Iraq and Russia is America. That's the, that's the comparison you should be making. Not, not, not this, oh, America started this war. No, America didn't start this war because war doesn't start until an invasion occurs. Oh, but they, they, they staged a coup in Ukraine in 2014. First of all, first of all, that wasn't a coup. That's not what a coup looks like. A coup implies total regime change where the people overthrow the complete government and change the system. They didn't change the system. One guy fled the country and the same government picked right back up where they left off. Literally, it just went to the next guy in line who was part of the same party as the previous guy who, who, who left. Like it's not, it's not like it, it was not a full coup. Is what I'm saying. And the, yeah, I've heard the arguments. Oh, it was started by the shooting was started by the radicals. Oh, the shooting was started by the government. Well, it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because, like I said, that guy fled the country, and also that guy was trying to change the constitution to make protesting illegal. He was literally trying to take away one of the rights of the country. It's not surprising that it involved a ton of protests. It's also not surprising that people in the country got upset with him when he ran on being anti-Russian and then immediately started being all buddy-buddy with Russia as soon as he actually gained power. Oh, but the Ukrainians have Nazis in their country. Okay, every country has some goddamn Nazis. Have you heard, also, have you heard the Russians' definition of Nazis? It's not the same as everyone else's definition of Nazis, just so you're aware. They don't care about the anti-Semitism, which is normal number, normally the number one defining trait of Nazis. <clears throat> but yeah, are there, are there white supremacists in Ukraine? Yeah, but there's white supremacists in every country, and we don't use that as a justification to invade other countries. If we were going to do that, if, if, if another country suddenly was like, hey, Oregon's full of drug addicts and white supremacists, that's why we get to invade them. We wouldn't all be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Invade Oregon. They got, they got drug addicts and white supremacists. That doesn't make sense. We would all be like, holy shit, they're invading Oregon. But Oregon's crawling with drug addicts and white supremacists. That's the history of the founding of Oregon, by the way. At some point, hippies from, the, from California started moving there and made it cool. But prior to that, Oregon was founded by white people who didn't want black people to live there. The point is, is that Russia should not be invading their neighbor countries, regardless of if they were going thinking about joining an alliance with another country. Think about that. Would we would we invade Mexico because they had an alliance with Russia? Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? 
Is that a good enough reason to invade somebody? Oh, but we're going to use NATO to invade Russia. We don't want to invade Russia. Are you kidding me? We want to be prepared for if Russia invades us. Russia's economy has already failed. That was always the point. That was always the point of the Cold War. It was about seeing whose, whose economies could breed the most success and thereby win the war that way. That's why we tried to stomp out communism in other countries, because we were afraid that they would succeed economically, because that's how you measure the success or failure of a capitalist versus communist situation. But anyways, none of those people were real communists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't matter. Not the point, because Russia's not even communist anymore. That's, I keep seeing all these tankies and left-wing people coming out and being like, oh, oh america imperialist country bad russia good and it's like what are you, are you insane first of all they're not communists anymore they've been privatized they've been privatizing shit for for decades and and they're run by oligarchs that's that's what happens in capitalism are you mad their president their president vladimir putin is an outspoken christian nationalist and their country has embraced christian nationalist ideology like all over the place it's insane they're right they they're part of the eastern bloc that writes laws to try and get rid of gay people and trans people literally they just outlawed having positive perspectives having positive representation of lgbtq people on television and in books and movies and note the fact that it's been specifically worded as positive representation which means you can still represent them negatively in those medias hate crimes against against homosexuals in russia are very high and people are like oh would it make that big of a difference to the ukrainians it would probably make a huge difference to the gay ukrainians yeah i'm not saying ukraine is perfect on gay people and trans people but they at least have some laws protecting trans people in ukraine <laughs> you're not going to have those if russia takes over are you, are you aware of this it's going to make a huge difference to a lot of people's lives if a if a christian nationalist country like russia suddenly owns ukraine but america it, it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Ukraine has the right as a sovereign nation to make alliances and friendships with any country they want, and they shouldn't be threatened by another country for doing so. That's not that's that's an abusive relationship. That's not autonomy. That's an abusive relationship. Do you understand? That's 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 horrific. That's not the world any of us want to live in. So yes, this has been uh, the Ruben Ryan on the Ruben Uncut. Annual reminder that the world is on fire and everything is terrible. Well, kind of. The truth of the matter is, is that uh, human beings have evolved a lot over the hundreds of thousands of years. And in fact, human, humanity has never been more empathetic or compassionate than we are today. It may not seem like that overall, but the prosperity bred to us over generations of, you know, feeding a machine blood and bodies has in fact led to a more empathetic, more kind and loving people. If you don't believe me, go back to almost any time period ever. Oh, but the 60s, we think of the 60s as compassionate and empathy, em empathetic based on the fact that all the struggles in the 1960s were based around compassion and empathy, which only occurred because they, they were those people were living in a system and society that was not those things. Back in the 60s and 70s and in the 50s even, people would get arrested for basic things today that we don't even consider crimes. 
we had there were ugliness laws that existed that could be used to put people with disabilities in prison if they refused to vacate premises where businesses did not want them. We used to tell parents whose kids were dyslexic to lock them away and forget they ever existed. ADHD used to be something you were basically put in a cell and they threw away the key for forever. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is that we actually have made a ton of progress on these fronts. And we have to just keep moving forward with that and trying to remember to remain empathetic and compassionate. And it's the only way that we as a society will truly ever develop. Because we've done the survivalist ethics. We did that. The survivalist, in fact, there are hundreds of thousands of people today who are still got their brain wrapped around survivalist ethics, even though they live in a first world country where there's no reason to be have their mind wrapped around the survivalist ethic of I need to do the best I can to survive myself. The truth of the matter is, is that most of our basic survival needs have been eliminated as problems, which is actually why we start to why we start to notice other problems in society, start to nitpick things, is because our need to survive is still kicking around inside our monkey lizard brains. And we still think, oh man, I need to fuck as much as I can. I need to make as much money as I can. I need to eat as much as I can. I need to fight as much as I can. And some of those things you still need to do a good bit. However, the fact of the matter is, is that once upon a time, human beings struggled to get enough calories to live through the day. And over thousands of years, we adapted new and more incredible ways to be able to get our calories and organize our societies and come up with ways to heal and clean wounds and other types of things. And throughout history, there has been a back and forth over how important compassion is to these things. We know that cavemen were significantly more compassionate to their people with disabilities than, say, oh, later medieval periods or even, or even the Enlightenment. So compassion is a thing, is a constant struggle. We're constantly going forward and backwards on it. It was one could argue that it was easier to be compassionate and empathetic for people who essentially lived with their families their entire lives and who essentially knew everyone inside their village uh, very well as individuals. But we now live in a larger, broader society, which does not diminish our need for compassion and empathy. It, however, does make it harder for us to focus on it. So I guess that's where I'm going to stop it today. So I guess uh, my message is the world is on fire. Stay compassionate, y'all. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. Uh, please also check out our YouTube channel, Ruben Uncut, on YouTube. I, Yeah, that's the YouTube channel. It needs your support. But also, uh, please like and subscribe wherever you're listening. If you listen to somewhere that isn't Spotify, please head over to Spotify and subscribe there. It really helps me out. All right. You don't have to listen to it there. You can listen to wherever you're listening. I'm just saying, like, it would really help me out to have those subscribers specifically there. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful, uh, have a wonderful day. The world, like I said, the world is on fire. Stay compassionate.